welcome to The Mentor List, a source of sound advice with your host, David Lewis. To seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported. Really have a point of difference. What is precious, what's really important, and then putting some boundaries there. The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Hello and welcome to today's show. We have a juicy episode for you today. Well, not exactly. We have the Tom Griffith, who is the Tom from Emma and Tom's Healthy Drinks Business, the one that helps people look after themselves. So we catch up right here in the YBF Ventures amazing new facilities here on Burke Street. We talk through how Tom went from CFO to the ski slopes and then back to Melbourne to start up what is now known as one of Melbourne's real business success stories. Listening to the growth story, which is reported as an overnight success, but if you listen to Tom, he's sort of telling us that uh, it was actually one cafe at a time or one relationship at a time, I should say. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation with the Tom Griffith. This is The Mentalist. Welcome to The Mentalist. I'm here with Tom Griffith. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, great to have you on. It's actually the second time we've, we've had you on as our, our last uh, recording man fleet the country with some great content, which we unfortunately never got to share with the listeners and the viewers. Um, so we're here at York Butter Factory Ventures, their new, which is their new uh, venue here. They've just recently moved here in the last few months. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to listening to your story. For me, it's the second time. <laughs> and um, yeah. No, thank you. And I know you've worn the same shirt. I have. So I've <laughs> this must be your it, it, shirt. It doesn't get old. <laughs> so for those that don't know you, Tom, and don't know your story, um, do you want to maybe kick us off with a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to for the last few years? Sure, sure. Um, back in 2003, I was in between jobs. I'd left a CFO role in London at a startup because our, our backer lost £1.5 billion of his own wealth in the tech wreck in four quite separate issues as well, which is even more skillful. So he pulled funding, we sued him, he sued us, and we sold what we had at that point to Bernie Eccleston, who, unbeknown to many, has a sort of a media unit as part of his portfolio. Right. And I went skiing and came across this um, amazing juice. I found myself in the gondola going up to the high alpine every morning drinking a green juice. And that was sort of the, that was the aha moment for me. Um, so I came back to Australia, I put it to Emma, who I'd known for a long time, who I thought would be a really good business partner. And she agreed to do it. So we then spent 12 months, Emma and I, was working together. Um, of course, you start off, you're not, you're not that busy, because you, yep. say, find a place who makes bottles and you book a meeting, but it's Wednesday of next week. <laughs> so yes. you don't do much about that till Wednesday next week, and then you're looking at, now you can't do much in the interim. So it was slow. It was sort of like, sort of like the winter of discontent. And after a year, we worked up basically four super premium smoothies. We had a brand, we, we settled on Emma and Tom's, um, mainly because Apple was taken. <laughs> um, because we wanted to use our weakness as our strength. Yeah. We're up against the big multinationals and it's just Emma and Tom. And yeah, others, others name their businesses after them. Look at most wineries do. Uh, look at Ben and Jerry's, for example. So um, we just took, went with Emma and Tom's. And we'd found a designer, we had a, we had a distributor, which we'd found. We got the ingredients, we commercialised our recipes. And 
we finally, a year after we started, in fact, a bit more, um, launched in September 2004. We had a pallet of each of our juices, it's about 2,000 bottles per pallet, and we had no customers. <laughs> so wow. we'd, we'd run around Melbourne and Sydney sort of eyeing off our desirable customers, but we mm -hmm. had, of course, there's no point going to see them before we had a product. Yep. So we started going out and seeing them, and our distributor had an outbound call centre, and we sold what we could. So um, hang on, 2,000 bottles. So, so 8,000 bottles in total. 8,000 bottles in total. And this is premium juice, so imagine there's a shelf life. In those days, it was only 21 days. Wow. Now, it's a lot longer because we're using better bottlers, with all respect to our first bottler. But it's all about degrees of clean, of course, because we don't use preservatives. So 21 days, the clock's ticking. Then you bottle again seven days later, and then seven days later. So we'd, we had to bottle over the first three weeks, we bottled basically well, four times in 21 days. So we always have tried to turn a bad situation into a positive. And we've always tried to act in every sense of the word like a victor and not like a victim. Mm. Because you know, we're the small ones, we're irrelevant. Um, easily sort of, you know, walked over in the early days, which, is, which was expected. So we found an event called Around the Bay in a Day, which was a, a, a cycling event in, based in Melbourne. Yeah. And there was about 12,000 competitors and they rode their bikes each way from Melbourne around the bay to the Port Phillip Bay heads. And then they all got on different car ferries and things and crossed the heads at lunchtime to ride the other half of the bay back to Melbourne. So that lunchtime, 12,000 cyclists got a free bottle of Ember and Tom's with their lunch. And so we once again tried to sort of what we termed turning stumbling blocks into stepping stones to success. Yep. And that got the brand out there. We had a lot of emails, we had the infos, emails on the back of the bottle, and along came, I suppose, a bit of brand building. Yep. That was the start. So this is you physically, you know, in Queenscliff or Sereno, either well, side? Well, basically, because it was so, such a big event, they had caterers organised, and uh, right. from memory, we dropped you know, 12,000 bottles is going to be four pallets, five wow. pallets. So we had five pallets delivered to a certain yep. caterer's cool room earlier that week, yep. and they dealt with the um, logistics. Yeah, wow, fantastic. But often in an event, I'll go and hand out 2,000 bottles just from one of our vans, maybe with one of my crew right. to help. And that's great, because you can stand in coals and sample juice for five hours and talk to 20 people. Yeah. Or if you're doing it at a running event, you can eyeball 2,500 people in an hour and a half. So it works pretty well. Yeah. Plus so these are, uh, I, I imagine, um, fairly consciously healthy that's right. uh, people, which would be you know, people that are interested in a good juice. Exactly. So that's how we started. And um, that was 2004. And what's we were amazed it took us a year to work up mm. four bottles of juice. I mean, stunning, but it did. And you know, remembering we were new entrants to the whole market. So you, know, you don't even know where a bottling plant is. Then you realise the people who make bottles send them to bottling plants, so you ask them and yep. you sort of pull on the, on, the, on, the, on the thread to the next bit, you know. We were trying to find a, a um, distributor. <laughs> As it turned out, one of my best mates, brothers, girlfriends, <laughs> stepfathers, just bought a distributor. So I went and saw him with our PowerPoint on paper yep. um, and fed him the story and he took us on. Wow. Sight unseen, and they, in fact, they're still a client today. Because um, the bottle's quite—I mean, you've well, that's, got one that's here. a new one. That, that's a small one. Um, you know, that's now called our Color Cleanse. So that's very premium. That's all vegetable juice, so it's lower fructose. Uh, it contains um, prebiotic dietary fibre. 
So it's not probiotic, but it's the prebiotic. To sort of, I suppose it's the ingredients the biobes like to like to live on. Yeah. And it's been pressure pasteurised, not not fast pasteurised. So there's been no heat. Right. So that's premium in every sense of the word. Uh, it's new. It's my lunch. Um, <laughs> that's why I bought it today. Yeah, um, it's almost two o'clock. Uh, if you want to start no, drinking. Good. Um, so that was 2004. And things went pretty well. We had these distributors and we had a few salespeople running around Melbourne, as I did with them, in the vans, selling into shops, you know, door to door. That's how you do it. There's no, there's no, mm. there's no fast way of doing this. So these are, these are into cafes? High-end, independent retailers. Right. And the idea was to build the brand. You know, if, if you went to the Armstrong Street food store here in Melbourne's Middle Park, and then in those days it was owned by Nick and Nick, two Nicks, and the idea was that you go and buy your nice quality sandwich for lunch. Mm. Nick would go, hey mate, try one of these new green juices from Emerald Tom's, they're fantastic. And you take Nick's advice, you drink it, you like what it tastes like, you feel like you've discovered it yourself, you haven't been advertised that, yep. and you tell your friends. So that was the idea of the brand build. Yep. Because we had, you know, we, there's no way you could afford a, sort of an ad campaign. Mm. Um, and I suppose over the course of 14 years, that's worked. But it, once again, there's no silver bullet. There's no pop idol. You've just got to do it door to door. So every account you win is probably done on the second or third or even fourth visit. Wow. You know, you drop some juice off. They're going to taste it with a business partner or they have a taste with their team when it's quieter in the shop. And then they, you go back and see them again. And they've gone to the bank, so they're not there. Then you go and see them a third time. So the investment that we've put in now to have a... We've today got a got a proprietary customer base of over 3,000 um, independent retailers in uh, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne and Perth. Which is so all So that's a lot of spend, a lot of work. Wow. One at a time, sort of, business yeah, winning. Bit by bit. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, we, we've, we've knifed and forked it. Um, yep. you know, we've just won Caltex, that's 623 sites in one hit. Yes. But you don't get that opportunity until you've got the brand, otherwise they wouldn't bother with you. So. Yep. The big ones don't come until you've done the work. It's a good model there, I suppose, and that's life, isn't it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the harder work, you work, the luckier you get. So we plugged away for two or three years, and in that time, both Emma and I separately had families. And, you know, having a newborn baby while you're doing a startup is the <laughs> sort of running equivalent of doing a marathon and being past the fridge. Yeah. Like, there you go, make life easy for yourself. <laughs> you know, I'm doing the half past two feed and off to work and walking around the lake and the baby beyond and all that sort of stuff. And we did some analysis because things flattened out. And we did some analysis and we realised we were churning our customer base at 40% per year. So all that hard work and they were going out the back door because the distributor had wanted to up their minimum drop and a lot of these small cafes couldn't store that many juices, let alone sell them, so they were going out of date. So my sales team were running around basically replacing blown stock. So we're giving out free stock, not selling stock. Nightmare. I recall Emma hunched over her computer on this rainy August afternoon and she said, you know, we can trade our way out of this. And her husband and I got in a van, drove to South Melbourne and won seven new accounts in about a two-hour slot in the afternoon in the rain. Right. And thought, crikey, people like the service. So we realised to be successful, we needed to back up a superior product with a superior service. Right. And they love it today. It's one less phone call, one less thing they've got to chase up. We arrive at every one of our 3,000 customers once a week or fortnight and fulfil their order. So as a result of that, we're very close to our customer. We know what they want. Of course, mm-hmm. the shops are our customers. The people who buy from the shops are our 
consumers. Yeah. And then you start wearing your distributor hat rather than your, your sort of well-being brand hat. And you think, well, hang on, we're stopping. What more can we sell these guys? So we went off and we developed a range of bars we called our life bars. And they're made from dried fruit and raw nuts. Yeah. The premise being there that, well, people probably buy two juices. But they might buy a juice in a bar or a coffee in a bar. Mm. And the bar's the ideal snack. It's sort of re replaces the cookie. So while we all love a cookie, you know, they're made from flour, sugar and butter. Yeah. <laughs> and these are made from literally dried fruit and raw nuts. Right. In one bar, for example, our, our, banana, our banana life bar is made from date, dried banana, almonds and chia seeds. That's it. People love the idea that there's, there's so four ingredients. Else, there's, there's no, no sugar there's or... There's no additives, there's no stabilizers, there's no things with numbers, there's no long words. It's understandable stuff. Yeah. So again, it's sort of, it's the clock ticking type of stock that you have as well because it's so fresh and so real. That's right. It's, and it lasts, people love it because it's a, you know, it's full of fiber. So mm. if you, uh, you feel full for longer, um, it's 150 odd calories of good calories. So if you have, say, mm. one of those, a cup of green tea at three in the afternoon, That'll see you through till dinner time. Yeah. The servers and golfers love them. The the busy workers, parents in the in the handbag, the car glove box. So Woolworth discovered those themselves and asked asked us if they could stock them, wow. which is the other way around normally. Yes. Um, so that's been a, that was a success. And sort of then we worked for many years, and you know um, the route trade is, is hard work, but we've added to it every year, and we've now got quenchers. We've got a whole range of lovely sparkling sugar-free juices. Uh, we have a range of brewed iced tea where we actually brew the tea. Wow. We use tea leaves and make it be better tea in a huge 1,000 litre drum and add a bit of fruit juice to that yep. and filter it off and that's our, our brewed iced tea. Wow. Um, we also have launched recently a range of no added sugar flavoured milks. So you know, no one done anything to the milk market since sort of probably in our un-PC ads in the 70s. Mm. Hadn't been touched. And our, a, a traditional flavour milk is like having a, a, a normal carbonated soft drink. They're very high in sugar. Yep. So we've got, there's no added sugar flavoured milk, so you, you could have one yourself or give them to your children as much as you have normal milk, plain milk. Um, so they've been a great success. And of course, we've just done um, these colour cleansers and some more, some quite funky new bars are more mm. based on protein, which people are, are, are demanding. Now, because we're small, we can now do our our new products quite quickly. Yes. And we can get them out very fast too because we go to these 3,000 accounts every week. So we can get a new product in front of 3,000 faces probably in a two or three week period. Wow. So we're very quick to market, you know, that works well. Um, and of course we are now in the major retailers and we've started doing a lot of export uh, to the Middle East and to Asia. So that's been obviously a, an evolution of the business and it wasn't really considered back in 2004. Yeah, but there's um, so many like aspects of your brand which are sort of, I guess, helping to progress you forward. I mean, say, so moving into Asia, you know, just being Australian for one means that you're fresh and, mm. you know, there's already a premium type um, association there. Plus, uh, there's this, not juice revolution, but healthy eating sort of, um, what did you call it, undertones or, what, do you want to maybe talk through, was this luck or is this something that you No, I mean, we believe it's all about relationships, yep. as, it, as everything is. And one thing we've actually 
we're quite proud of is we have a lot of long, long-term relationships. Be it our distributors, our designer, our, our bottling plants, they've all been around for 10 plus years. So we were dipping our sort of toe into China uh, slowly and we found this distributor uh, who we get along with exceptionally well. Mm. They're doing a great job. I mean, for example, we did some what we called veggie nuts for one of the major supermarkets. And they were okay, they were a nice little product. They're not obviously going to be a huge, huge category, mm. but they were a nice range. And the first order from China was 100,000 bags. Wow. Bang. Thank you, you know. Um, we're talking to one of the major airlines there at present via one of our distributors. And what they want, and they haven't yet come back and confirmed it's us or somebody else, but they're wanting between half a million and a million bars a month. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's the scale. So this is the stuff that you'd get in the, the packs that The little pack that comes out, yep. um, and they want them a certain size, and of course we do it, the, we do it for them, of course, yes. at that volume. Um, I mean, by way of example, I know a business well in the UK who do a lot of in-flight catering, and one of the Middle Eastern airlines gets 40 refrigerated air containers per week just with cheese for business class. Wow. That's the, sort of the, that's the volume. <laughs> that's huge. Okay. So, We've now got sort of 45 vans running around Australia. So as you said, the business is, is quite broad now, which is good. We've, we've, we've diversified our risk base hugely. From and these are all the Emma and Tom branded white... White uh, vans. Yep. So they're all over most capital cities. Um, we've got, obviously, we've diversified from having one customer being our one distributor into hundreds and thousands. Mm. We've got different channels being online, our route, our, which we call our direct-to-store business, our grocery and our export. We've got different categories now rather than just juice. We've got bars and nuts, obviously, milk, sparkling tea. Yep. Um, and we've got a whole now innovation chain back in the office where we're sort of looking at things all the time because we can't sort of buy our way or discount our way into stores like some of the larger firms can. They can sort of mark prices down and take a loss for a year or so while they establish a new line. We've got to do it by innovation. Right. Um, we can't do it with spend, of course. When it's not big enough. So we've got a diversified, broad business, and it's now sort of, I suppose, got to a point where the brands were recognised, yeah. and, and that helps us an awful lot too. You know, um, we did launch a range, our sparkling, and we called it Habitat years ago. And Carolyn Criswell, who's been very helpful to us with her advice, said, "You're mad. You've got a good brand. Don't don't change the brand around." Just go with Emma and Tom's. And that mm. was one more thing we've learnt. Early on, we didn't take any advice. It wasn't for arrogance. We just <laughs> were running around doing our thing yep. and thought, well, we, we know what we're doing. But, you know, hey, free advice is yep. pretty handy. And now we look for it every day. I mean, we're always searching out people we can go and see and talk to to get advice on whether it be export or grocery or, you know, yep. um, new ingredients, etc. cetera. Uh, so to extend yourself and get out of the office, we, we, we find really useful. And people are very generous with their advice. You know, they are. Um, they, you know, they sort of call it setting the elevator down. But, you know, everyone's been in, the, mm. in their careers and their life have, I suppose, appreciated getting help when they've got it. And they now, I suppose, give it back to us in some ways. And we, in turn, try and do the same thing. You know, yep. I've, I've got um, a meeting with a guy at Melbourne University on um, Wednesday who's doing a master's in engineering in basically... Um, AI, and he wants some advice. So, you know, I'm going to go and see him for now. Right. I don't know how I'm going to help him because he sounds a lot smarter than I am, but <laughs> we'll see how we go. Um, 
so the advice thing is, a, is a one thing mm. I'd always be. That's what that's your stock in trade. Yes, that's what you're marketing. Yeah, and I think it's really valuable. And as Emma would say, no one ever gives you the full answer. That's up to you. But you get a little bit from everyone. And if I go and see, say, the head of sales for another big brand I've heard of, um, I'll try and then after I've seen them, get someone that they know to refer me to for next time. So it's right. sort of you, you keep on going, you know. Yeah. Um, and people are extremely nice. I was at a conference recently and ran into Peter Meek, who runs Chobani. Yeah. You know, Peter's got a huge background in FMCG, out of Nestle. Chobani, of course, has been a huge success globally and also yeah. in Australia, where they've obviously developed a massive brand presence. You know, Peter's a lovely man, and Emma's been to see him. Mm. Um, so we just continually, I suppose, seek out areas where we need uh, some information to fill a gap. Sounds like some uh, pretty good access to some pretty great mentors there, and you're paying it paying it forward well, we as well. To. Yeah, we do. We we, yeah. We, yeah, we really try to, and we appreciate that we've got a responsibility to do that sort of thing. Mm. In a similar way that we've now got a foundation, and we always wanted to have a, uh, I suppose, thought we wanted to be a good corporate citizen. But you've got to be in business and be yep. established before you can do that sort of stuff. Yeah. But now we probably sell. Well, we give about five thousand dollars a month to uh, youth homelessness that we raise through selling a bottle of water and the margin from that sale all goes straight through to the charity. Is this the partnership with Cotton On? Yeah, it's yes. Cotton On. So it's, it's called the Unite Project. Um, so basically, if you sell a bottle of water, the bottle might cost us, say, 35 cents um, to, you know, to get filled and made and labelled. Uh, if we sell it for, say, 70 cents, we take the 35 cent margin, and which means we've given our staff time and our, our van time and mm. everything else for free, and we haven't sold our own water. And that goes to help alleviate youth homelessness. Wow, fantastic. Um, and we also actually, which we enjoyed about a year ago, became um, one of only about 2,500 B Corps in the world. And a B Corp is a benefits corporation. And in doing so, you get assessed by the B Corporation, which is based in the States, yep. it's an Australian arm. And they look at your environmental and social impact as well. Right. Um, so, which is very good for the business. I mean. How can you work, you know, work on, say, saving water if you, mm. if you don't even measure how much you use, let alone yeah. uh, uh, power? Um, it looks at things like the percentage of non-executive bonuses as a proportion of total salary. Right. It looks at longevity of relationships. Um, wow. If I say into clothing, it would look right down the chain. So not just to say to ensure that my, fa my factory in Bangladesh or China was... Um, observing all the appropriate human rights and, and pay scales. But then, of course, the cotton being sourced, mm. that's coming from, say, the Sierra Leone, there's a very good chance of using child labour, yeah. even without knowing it. So it yeah. makes you look into your business a lot, which is fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. So we are now a B Corp as well. So you, you mentioned before that there was a lot of advice that you didn't necessarily take. Was, was there any advice you'd give yourself looking back now? Take advice. <laughs> take advice. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, and as I suppose, be prepared to make mistakes. Yeah. We didn't not expect it, but we should have preempted it. Because we were new entrants into a whole new category, of course we're gonna make a lot of mistakes. Mm. Um, you know, even even the month before we launched, we were down in Tasmania and our bottling plant rang up and said we can't do it. We're like, you're kidding me. So I drove up there the following day to have the come to Jesus conversation with them saying, no, 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 you can't do it, mate, I can tell yeah. you right now. And the reason they couldn't do it is they were, once again, a fairly antiquated plant. 
these things fill at like say 120 bottles a minute. So it goes past the labelling machine that, that fast. Well, that's obviously two a second. Yeah. Um, being a clear label, you've got to have very um, accurate sensing imaging equipment on the line to pick up when the bottle's got to come past and have the little square label applied. Right. Because if it's a round bottle, of course, it doesn't matter where you do it. Right. You start and finish. Uh, okay. But that's got to be done precisely, otherwise in it goes the in the corner. The square so side silly. of the bottle, yes. So, Emma found a contract labeler in Melbourne, uh, and for the knockdown price of seven cents a bottle, we had our bottles labeled in Melbourne, which of course means you're shipping air around Victoria because you're shipping uh, pallets of empty bottles from the yes. manufacturer to the labeler, then up to the bottling plant. Yep. So we worked out a cost of I think $110,000 more than we could have paid in the time it took for the bottling plant to get their labelling gear up and running. Yeah. But it got us in the game. That's the other thing we learned, and we still say today, you've got to start. Start, start, start. You, know, you, you can't wait till it's all perfect and all your pencils are sharp and everything's yep. right. You've just got to get going. So we chose to get in the game. Um, the other problem with that was, of course, is we had bottles going out that were pre-labelled. So we said to the guy at the plant, who was the, um, the quality control manager, yeah. I think even to this day, the only reason he was was he was the only guy there with an email address. Okay. <laughs> he said, make sure you, when you've got extreme C in the tank, in the filling tank, yeah. you've got extreme C bottles labelled in the hopper. Yeah. Oh, we would have made that mistake. Sure after the following week, we had extreme C in the Caron bottle. Okay. The whole pallet of them. So what this is basically the wrong coloured, or the, the wrong, wrong juice in the labelled. labelled. So of course that all goes to second bite. Right. And you've got to have a fight about who pays for it and yada, yada, yada. So, yep. yeah, that's, this is the sort of stuff that happens, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. And to an extent, it still happens today a bit. I mean, particularly as it's a, you know, everything we use is natural. So we call it the risk of real mm. because everything's real. We can't, we don't, we don't add stabilisers, we don't add preservatives. So it's all natural. If it's not treated really carefully, it can go off. Hence, we keep everything in a chill chain. So all these juices that are bottled mm. um, and the milk, it, it's bottled at about two degrees and goes from the bottling plant's fridge to a, a refrigerated truck to our cool room, into our vans, and it, it stays below four degrees until it's purchased and sold. Mm. And that in, in itself creates a lot of challenges. But now we own that pipeline. Yeah, right. Um, which is great. That's a, it's, a, it's a real asset, of course. Oh, definitely. So, uh, with, yeah, even things going to China, which need to be chilled. They go chilled, of course. And so, I guess, having... We haven't really touched on how, I guess, you, you and Emma met and how that relationship's gone, I guess, over 10 years. But you were in London at the time, and I think Emma was here in Melbourne. Somehow... She was back. She'd been in the UK. In fact, she did an MBA at INSEAD in France when I was actually working in Paris and based in Paris. Um, we went back. We met uh, when we were 12 years old. Right. Which was about 12 years ago. Um, <laughs> uh, at the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Pool in Melbourne, having a swimming lesson. Right. And we'd stayed in touch. We certainly lived parallel lives. Emma's background is ideal for this, this business, mine's not. Um, Emma did a Bachelor of Ag Science at Melbourne University, which is a very broad sort of degree. Mm. She went to Cargill as a grain trader, family business. Right. Then went to the Mars, um, owned um, Uncle Ben's up in Albury, which makes all their pet food. Yep. Uh, Mars family-owned business as well. Um, she then went to her MBA, did a year as a, as a strategy consultant for LEK in London, 
like me, did a London startup. She left London before I did, and we'd sort of, you know, we used to catch up in London occasionally and mm. have, have the odd ski and things with friends. Came to Melbourne, got a great job as the head of um, consumer marketing for the NAB. Uh, and then just before I got back to Melbourne, her entire team, they just deleted that entire division of the NAB. Yeah. So she was retrenched um, and was sort of freed up, which was convenient. Fantastic. So we've now been doing this together for 15 years. It is a long time. Um, it's a long time. It's sort of like a marriage. It has to be. The levels of honesty and, if you like, yeah. integrity. Because uh, you see how many business partnerships do break up, or if not partnerships, they're, say, co-heads of divisions at a, at a mm. bank and things. And you know, if, if it's business, somebody raises the till and pulls out $20,000 and it all blows yeah. up. So we've always, I suppose, um, based the success of the relationship on three things, being um, trust, respect, and a shared vision, which is very true. And without those three components, it wouldn't last. Mm. And you know, similarly, I think, we, I think we're both grown up to the point where we don't m make issues of the small things. We look at the bigger picture yep. and the bigger aim. And the aim is always for the business. And so we do what's best for the business or, or the consumer. If you do that, you're going to be ahead. Mm. So we don't, we're not self-serving, I don't believe. Yep. Um, and that helps. Oh, fantastic. So I guess, yeah, the next question is just around a quote. Is there a quote that's resonated with you that you can share? And I know I've put you on the spot. You have. I always like, um, uh, if not now, when? If not me, who? We've had, a lot of, we've had a lot of people come past from all parts of the world wanting to look at our business and, oh, I'm going to go back to Stockholm and Hong Kong and you know it and do the same thing. Mm. And, uh, hasn't happened and we don't give ourselves like much credit at all in fact Emma and I just sit at work and you know chuck rocks at each other and get on with it but um I was with a web designer a few years ago and he goes oh it's such an amazing story and I'm like Grant what's the story I mean we just went to get to at work and chuck rocks he goes oh Tom it's inspiring and if it if it does inspire someone mm. to have a go well then that's been worthwhile you know and I think it's worthwhile the point about having a go is you don't regret it no. So that, that famous quote, you know, the only shot you miss is the one you don't take. Yeah. That's so true. So we're into having a swing and having a go and we, we're still going as hard today as we were back in September 2004. Mm. Um, it's bigger than we thought it would get to be. It never was going to be quite what it is today. Um, it's sort of like your baby a bit. And, and what, does, so what does your typical day look like these days? I know you're doing a lot of um, speaking and... Uh, yeah, maybe talk us through. Yeah, I'm, I'm mainly involved in the corporate and the communication side of the business now. So corporate being like financial company, yep. yeah, fundraising, insurance, legal, that's my background, so I do all that. Yeah. Um, we've just actually hired our first really proper heavyweight CFO, who's just wow. been fantastic. He's a just a breath of fresh air, and I suppose good financial information is important for everyone, and that's yep. not a place... We've probably skipped a bit, and it's to our detriment. And in is that because we, that's we're giving, your the, we're giving the reports to the bank that are so much more professional. It just yeah. data. It's all about data, as you know. Mm. And the more you know, the better you, you are. And our new friend Prabal is just doing an unreal job. Um, so information. So I do corporate. I do comms. So I was doing a talk in Brisbane last Friday. Um, 
I wrote some stuff this morning in the office. Um, you know, tomorrow I've got a, a couple of meetings in the afternoon. Um, I obviously do, with Emma, I do strategy, which is important, um, and key relationships. Mm. So, fortunately, because it's called Emma and Tom's, which once again was done out of sort of, I suppose, desperation. If there's, say, a big meeting with a, a big new buyer and Emma and or Tom arrive, it sort of speaks louder than I'm just Dave from so-and-so business. Mm. It, you know, they, as you can imagine, people like to deal with the proprietor. Yeah. And we like to deal with people, we enjoy people. So mm. that works for us too. So we work pretty hard on relationships. Then of course, there's 50 now members of our team. Um, and quite interestingly, it's very Australian, there's 23 nationalities there. Wow, um, fantastic. Our best one, I think is Korean German. <laughs> She's very organized. Um, <laughs> And we're probably also over-indexed with women, both in number and in management positions. Great. So of our sort of key managers, there would be three women versus two men. So we're very open that way. I think you do a great job. In our business, they're nailing it. Running uh, the show. Which is good, and running the show. Emma, Emma runs the business day to day. Yeah. Her background is ideally suited to that, and she enjoys it. Um, so with, a, with that many people and that many customers, there's always things to do, you can imagine. Mm. And also, if, if you think there's nothing to do, well, work on some new accounts or some new products or supporting your, your team members. We, I can just yeah. jump in a van. If I, if I do a chat, chat for two hours and help them do their run, yeah. you know, that's worthwhile. Um, getting out and seeing the customers. And is there any, so I imagine there would have been some stressful periods, some really fantastic periods, some periods, times where it's been really tough. Are there any habits that have sort of helped you through this, um, you know, what, what, what has started as a startup and now is, I imagine, a high growth business? Like, how personally, how have you managed? Um, I think balance, any... yeah, I think balance is important. I try and eat really well. Um, I've always been a good sleeper, no, no problem there. Um, and I exercise probably a bad week's three times a week, a good week's about six. Um, so I try and do something every day until my legs fail me and I have a day off. Or I've got a day's travelling or that sort of thing, or my, or my daughter's busy and I've got to look after them all day. Um, so I have these forced days off or weekends mm. off, which is fine. But I think it's good to keep fit. I really enjoy that. Um, there's, the, there's that sort of funny analogy between being employed just in, a, in a job and running your own business, as they call it. It's the, like, like bacon and eggs. And you know, in, in, in eggs and bacon, the, the, the chickens involved with the pig is truly committed. <laughs> and it's sort of like that. We're, we're the pigs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've got skin in the game. I like that. Yeah. Um, I'll just put you on the spot again. Is there a book um, that you've read? Yep. Um, oh, great. Okay. Can and I've forgotten who the author is. You can check that That's and you okay. can edit it in. Yep. It's called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And the guy ended up, um, it's a great book. The guy ended up, he, he had a company on the US Stock Exchange. It got down to being sort of almost worthless. And he sat down and thought, if, I, if this was put into administration, what bit would I grab and take for myself? And he worked out he had a little bit on the side. It wasn't the, the core at all. But he thought that's where the most potential was. And he basically retrenched all of his staff doing the main thing, worked on this little thing, because he thought that's where the upside was, and sold it to um, HP for $1.4 billion. Wow. And the book's not all about sort of the Bransonesque glamour, it's all about the hard thing about hard things. Mm. So it's all about firing staff or you having to get rid of staff, making the hard decisions. 
reviewing people, managing people. So it's sort of a bit about the, the boring part of business, but it's a really fascinating book. And he talks about one point. He goes, you know, the point is when you're the, when you're the boss, when, you're, it's, when it's your business, he goes, really, your board doesn't care. Like if it goes out of business, they don't really care. Your chairman doesn't care. Your staff don't really care. Mm. He goes, your shareholders don't really care. Your mama doesn't care. It's you. Right. And so it's a good book. It's a, it's a really good read. And I enjoyed it a lot. And I, I, I do enjoy every one of um, uh, Michael Lewis's books. He's a fascinating author. Great. I'll be sure to uh, chuck a few links up on thementors.com so people can grab them. I haven't read that one, but I, I remember, um, I think you mentioned it last time, and yeah, I'll have to pick that up and have it a It sticks read. in my mind. I mean, Emma calls it the best book she's ever read. I wouldn't go quite that far, but it's yeah. really worthwhile as being, I mean, you'd, I think you'd, you'd, you'd want to have read it. Yeah. Well, you've got some flight time coming up soon, so you'll be able to pick up a new book. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, yeah. Just wanted to say thank you for coming in and thank you for, for the uh, the second record here on The Mentor Pleasure. List. And, nice um, to help. Yeah, looking forward to watching you guys continue to grow and hope you enjoy, I think you've got 10 days off, was it? I've got 10 days off the grid Much in, in about a week's time. Um, nice, so great. Yeah, thank you again for thank sharing you. with the listeners. Thank you for listening to The Mentor List with your host, David Lewis. If you like what you're hearing on The Mentor List, the best way to support the show is to just take a few seconds to leave a rating and or comment over on iTunes. You can also find further information about this show and links to further episodes at mentorlist.com.au. Until next time, this is The Mentor List.